One year, I kind of got an idea, you know, I want to try trap. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Purpose and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon ads. Information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because work it ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very much the same as the you got bogged down. They started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the fur shed, this is the Trapping Today podcast. I am your host, Jeremiah Wood. Great to be here. Thanks for tuning in. We are presented by Cox Brothers Lures. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cost Bros are your trapping supply source to get you started with traps, lures, baits, books, DVDs, everything you need to get going. Check them out at costbros.com. That's K-A-A-T-Z-E-R-O-S. Great guys, great service, great products. Also brought to you by OnX Maps. Turn your phone into a fully functioning GPS. You can mark waypoints, track your location, look at all the aerial imagery everywhere in the country, landowner information, figure out where you're at. You can try them out at onyxmaps.com and enter the promo code TRAP to get a special discount, 20% off for Trapping Today listeners. Onyx is a great resource to use whether you're out trapping, hunting, fishing, anything in the outdoors. You are going to love it. Lots of different uses. I, I don't find myself without it anymore. I love it. All right, we get a good episode tonight. Uh, actually, it's not really tonight as I record this. It's a Saturday morning. The rain is falling, so it's a great opportunity to sit inside and record a podcast because I've been going uh, right out straight when the sun is shining. It's been nice. Uh, a lot going on this spring for me. I am uh, doing some non-trapping related stuff we're kind of transitioning out of the trapping season so lots of other things going on i'm actually working on uh, putting up fencing for cattle uh, on an additional 40 plus acres of land and bringing on a bunch more animals so that's uh, exciting i get a tight deadline on that and i'm i'm going crazy to try to get it done uh having a great time and it's it's an exciting time uh to expand the farm a little bit so hope everybody else is doing great everything's kind of wrapped up for trapping season most of us have probably shipped our fur Um, fur harvesters is doing additional uh, pickups for a fall auction Uh, those are posted on their website if you want to check that out if you need a place to uh, to send your fur Um, I I don't know what's going to happen with that auction and how fur prices are going to straighten out and and get through this backlog of fur but that's you know that's just a question that none of us really knows and you uh you got to decide am i going to do something with my fur are i going to let it sit around uh, you better get it in a freezer um or you let it sit around all summer it's going to going to get 
you know bugs get in it gets uh, gets pretty stale and uh, not worth uh, not worth anything if you just let it sit around so raw fur you know is a perishable product so you got to keep that in mind um, I'm uh, finding a home for the last of my beavers and then I have a few other items and I think I, I'm going to hold back probably one beaver just in case I get the itch this summer to try a special uh, tanning project. It's just getting so expensive to ship uh, anything by mail uh, or FedEx or UPS. It's been a huge challenge for me getting getting fur shipped out, whether that to be, be to buyers or to, um, to a tannery. So I'm trying to think of uh, you know, I don't. I never really wanted to get into tanning my own fur. It's just such a hassle, but it's something that you know necessity sometimes uh, gets in uh, in the way, and and uh, you don't really when you don't really have a choice. Sometimes you try new things. So I may try tanning uh, this this summer just to uh, to see if I can do it, see how feasible it is, and and if I actually can handle doing all that labor. It, I think it'd drive me crazy, but I may give it a shot. Um, all right, we got a great episode tonight. Um, we're going to talk with Nathan from Minnesota again. We had one part one of his interview several weeks back and actually did this in four different parts. We talked forever, and we covered a lot of ground. I think a lot of you are going to enjoy this. I know, actually have gotten uh, some feedback from several people uh, about the first interview with Nathan, and, and people enjoyed talking with a, a fellow trapper. You know, there's a lot of guys that are in the same situation as Nathan, pretty young ambitious just getting into trapping and so it's uh it, you can relate you, you can relate so that's good and uh we've got that interview uh, also emails jrodwood at gmail.com j-r-o-d-w-o-o-d at gmail.com and uh i i've been struggling to catch up with uh, a whole slew of emails recently i i hope you can uh understand and most of you have been very patient so i appreciate that uh, stay tuned till the end of the interview. We get another special deal from Cotts Brothers Lures. It's going to be a huge discount. So stay tuned, and uh, I will let you know about that at the end of this interview. Yeah, oh, that, that was another thing that we had emailed about was I wanted to talk about uh, there was that girl that asked, she was talking about the muskrat trapping yes. on uh, some podcasts, and she was talking about where you could put up fur. So Kristen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is <clears throat> something that uh one of my friends told me about. He does a little bit of out of state trapping. So in Minnesota we actually all of our rules are pretty like I like most of the rules in Minnesota, but there's one that I do not like at all. And it's we non-residents cannot trap in Minnesota. Yeah, that's frustrating to a lot of people. <laughs> right. So then, but it's frustrating to Minnesota. other states that have reciprocal agreements. Right. Yeah. So if, like in North Dakota, yep. if I can't trap, or if they can't trap in Minnesota, I can't trap in, in North Dakota. Right, but I can we, because my state allows North right. Dakota institution. Yeah. And that's like, oh, it's so frustrating because in Bemidji, we're 45 minutes from the North Dakota border. Oh, man. So we could go out there and oh, catch those high-dollar coyotes. Oh, yeah, coyotes and the, and the muskrat, when, when they get water, 
right uh, the, the muskrat in those ponds man that'd be fun yeah i mean i there's there's guys on some of those trapping pages on facebook that are catching four thousand to five thousand muskrats in a year in north dakota Jeez. like i can't even my brain doesn't even like it cannot fathom skinning and putting up <laughs> thousands of muskrats like i think that the smell would make me never want to trap a muskrat again because <laughs> they have that nasty the i mean the, the musk you know the musk yeah from a muskrat and oh when i was when i first started that was the worst smell ever i would rather skin coons all day and smell that coon fat and anybody who has skinned and fleshed raccoons knows exactly the smell that I'm talking about. It's that nasty, sweet, and, oh, I just, like, I'm, I'm sitting in my truck right now, and I'm just, <laughs> I can smell it. And, um, like, my my girlfriend hates when I'll, when I go to skin beavers. She thinks that castor smells awful. Yeah, my wife she, hates the smell of beaver. When I get back in from the fur shed and I've worked up beaver, she just doesn't want to be around me. Yep, same with my and, girlfriend. And I She's, actually think it's the least foul-smelling of, of everything that I work with. In yes, here. yes, I would 100% agree. And another thing, like, so uh, back to the storage unit. Yes. So I, I got um, a climate-controlled storage unit for it was it was like four hundred dollars for the year and is this like on a trailer how's no so like so it's it's just uh i think it's a 12 by 12 just like a room or it's like a mini garage and so it's all it's there's like hundreds of them and it's just this big row of storage so, and, so this is in this is in a fixed location, correct? Okay, and and uh, so I rented this storage unit, and it's climate controlled, so I can set my storage unit for however warm or however cold I want. So I keep it right around sixty five degrees to seventy degrees, which helps when I'm flushing. It doesn't like I'm not sitting there just drenched in sweat, mm-hmm. and. It also, you know, I can do it and I'll go out there at, when I get done with work, if I, uh, when I'm delivering pizzas, I get done with work at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And so then I'll just go straight to my storage unit. You don't sleep, do you? Not a whole lot. (laughs) No. Um, It's, my girlfriend thinks that I'm going to get burned out. I don't think it'll happen. I've been doing this for long enough. I think that this is just my body has gotten used to it. Um, but the climate-controlled room is the best thing that I have used. You can draw it. Like, the biggest thing, and you know, with cold weather, is when you're trying to dry fur and you have it stretching and you're trying to dry it, if it freezes, you it causes all sorts of problems. Yeah, you know, especially like coons, where they're greasy, nasty skin. Where if it freezes, 
it's going to slip. It's going to, you know, you could have the best quality, biggest raccoon. You let that sucker freeze on the flesher, might as well throw it in the garbage. And um, so having that climate-controlled room is so nice. And they don't, I mean, I have, I I bought rebar that fits in between the two walls. And I made little, took some copper piping and uh, made a little mount for the rebar. And I hang all of my furs from that rebar when it, when they're on the stretchers. And this is so, like down the road from your house? Yep. Yep. It's uh, down, I think it's four blocks from my apartment. 400 bucks for the year? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And... There, I mean, you can find, you know, obviously it's not like a high quality storage unit. Like I'm not, no, but you I'm get not heat. <laughs> right. Right. I'm not, I'm, I'm not storing a Corvette in there. I'm skinning animals. Yeah. And so it's kind of nice cause I can back the truck right up to it, open the storage unit, throw all of my animals from the day into the bat or into the unit and then shut that unit and by the time i i come home from work to skin them they're um thawed out if they're frozen and they're dried out pretty well so that i can just put them up and uh one thing that i have learned this year putting up as or putting up quite a few beavers is i started with the board like just boarding them and I wouldn't much rather use hoops. Really? Yeah. And I like that the hoop allows both sides to dry. So if there's any moisture on the first side, it'll dry it out. And if there's, you know, and then the flush side, it'll dry that out. And I find it does it quicker. Yeah, um, it probably does. I mean, I, li- I lift mine up uh, on, up the nails on the board so you guys, oh yeah you got an airspace that uh you can get the fur dried in um, i gotcha but definitely not as quick as being on a hoop uh, right. i just always uh, i always see the hoop i've seen the hoop as like it, it seems like a real pain to try and get all those hooks in and get them around the hoop and get them in the right spots and, i mean but I, having never done it really much um i've never compared the two to see which one was was less labor I think that the boards are less labor at first, but once you get super proficient with a hoop, it's night and day. I mean, like, you don't have to pound in the nails, and all you do is hook that, like, so what I'll do... Use, like, hard rings? Yep, yep. And actually, I just buy my, uh, I just buy hoop, um hoop rings from F and T. Okay. And I, that's where I buy like all my hoops. And those are sharp. So you just kind of poke them through the hide as you're going along. Yep. And, uh, it's, uh, so I'll lay it down. I have a table in my storage unit and I'll lay down the hoop and I'll start with the four, you know, like if you were to make a cross or a plus sign on that beaver, Mm -hmm. I'll do the four corners and then I'll start kind of, you know, trying to evenly spread them out. And then it's just about getting as many in there as you can. And this is going to stretch your beaver 
in a round shape as opposed to oval, right? Actually, there are, I use a bar and it's just two PVC pieces of PVC with hook or not PVC, um, rebar. Okay. And I, I you use squeeze together the, uh, yep. the short side. Yep. So then it makes it okay. into an oval. Yeah. And, um, which I mean, I don't know how, I guess I've never really talked to anybody who is like super big into fur buying, but I don't know how much it matters to make it, you know, that oval shape. My understanding is that you get a few more inches if it's oval. Really? Uh, overall, so you get better sizes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I've, I guess I have um, all of my beavers from this year are going to FHA. For the May harvesters, yeah, yep, yep. For the May auction, yeah, it's kind of hard to get get these in the first auction, huh? <laughs> right, yeah. That's the thing with beavers; our season goes all here. We can go to the end of April, and then you get them at the end of April. It's like, oh, where do I sell these guys? Right. Uh, we have. I think our season is open until May fifteenth. No kidding. Nice. So we have a long time, and it's nice because, you know, those spring beavers, you get the two-year-olds that are getting kicked out of their oh, lodges. they're moving like crazy. Man, oh, they're easy you to could, catch that time of year. Yeah, you, you could put a – I agree. Like, it's, it's almost cheating. <laughs> and uh, you could put a, um, a caster mound set on the prevailing wind side if you have any beavers – within five miles of that <laughs> pond you're gonna catch at least one guys he's not really exaggerating about that i mean <laughs> they they are so they, they'll go so far and they are so dumb well and on it, the caster they they really right they seem, i think they're setting up their territories that time of year figuring out okay where are we all going to be for the summer and uh and where you know is this beaver still around that can I go into this territory? Or like you said, the, the two year olds are getting kicked out and they got to find a spot. And when they meet up with each other, there's a, uh, there's a lot of fighting, you know, you get, Oh yeah. You probably notice your pelts, uh, a little later on after, after ice out, the pelts get really damaged. You get a lot of cuts and stuff, but uh, yeah, when they smell another beaver, they, they go a long ways. Oh yeah. Uh, last year I caught one that had, a, um, I caught it in a, um, a number four. I'm trying to picture it in my head how I had this set up. It was a, a Duke number four four coiled, and I had it set on a caster mount, and it was kind of a weird spot where it was really deep water, but there was already a caster mount there. Mm hmm. And so I don't know how exactly the beavers managed to pile that up because there's a high bank. And so I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to try something funky. And I took a, um, a two by four and I screwed a piece kind of like if you were to make a, um, an under ice baited pole set with a foothold. Mm -hmm. And so I made that platform <laughs> and I put it down there and I caught that thing and it was, 
I I walked up on it and I thought it was something out of a movie. That thing was so cut up and had patches of fur missing and like it was like, buddy, you're not even worth anything. Like I might I should just let you go. <laughs> and and the water was so deep that I couldn't I couldn't get a twelve foot drowner pole to stick. And it was kinda sandy bottom, so it was kinda hard anyway. But so I ended up just I staked it with two wolfing stakes into the bank and I was like, I hope this holds. And I, I mean, I wrenched back on that sucker up on the bank as much as I could. And it was not, it didn't seem like it was going to budge. And I came back and that beaver was just sitting in the water. Waiting for you. He was hanging out. And he was actually standing on the platform when I got there. The platform that caught him. Nice. And I was, I was pretty happy. I didn't catch any more on that set, but, um, it was kind of, you know, I think my dad always said when my brother and I were trapping that we are our craftiest at trapping season (laughs) because as trappers, you have to adapt to everything. There is never going to be one set that you can just punch all the time. That's going to be the exact same. It, there's always going to be some sort of challenge. There's always going to be something that's in the way, whether it be in your canine sets, you dig a trap bed and you're ready to put it down there and there's a root that's sitting there and you got to chop out the root or, you know, with water trapping, maybe there's a rock where you're trying to bed your trap for a pocket set. And there's always going to be something that, if it can go wrong during trapping season, it will go wrong. And, um, that's, I honestly, I think that's my favorite part about trapping is you constantly are thinking always a challenge. Yeah. Right. And, um, my thing is, and actually, uh, listening to you and coyote trapping schools podcast and, um, you, uh, one of you were talking about how to, you know, these long line guys, uh, that are putting up huge numbers of fur. Yeah, I think that was Chris. Yeah, I think yeah, he's, yeah. He was yeah. talking about uh, uh, mindset of a professional. He was reading yes. a bunch of those books and talking about mm-hmm. and talking about how to. Yeah, that whole mentality. Yeah, and so you know when I was younger and I I was trapping raccoons and mink and muskrat and stuff. Um, you whatever traps you could get your hands on and whatever traps you could afford were the traps that you wanted. And now I'm a little older and I've got a little bit more cha-ching in my pocket and I switched I sold all of my cheaper you know won't name any names on brands but cheaper <laughs> traps. Yeah, we all know what they are. Good yep, starter good and, starter traps. Yep, and I bought the Minnesota brand and I, so all of my water traps for pocket sets, uh, anybody who traps mink and raccoon in pocket sets knows that a one and a half is the trap. Well, I bought a dozen Bridger one and a half, the one and a half specials and they are awesome. They have a night lash pan. So they have the pause trip pan and you can get that pan tension down to like nothing. Yeah. 
like hair trigger. I have some of those 165s. Um, I oh bought yeah, them, I bought them a long time ago, but they're the same way. They're they're they get that that night latch system, and and you can set them really super light. And that's the best. I mean, anybody who's seen a raccoon work a set or dig something out or anything, they know that a raccoon is a very careful animal. Like, you see them digging through a dumpster and you think, oh, that's the dumbest animal on earth. Well, a raccoon in water is going to, if there's something that he wants, he is going to reach and he's going to grab only the thing that he wants. He's not going to sit and he's not going to, you know, dance around on your set and try to no, and, find and whatever you it is. Mink, you probably have mink around too, and you don't want to miss a mink because you get too high pan tension, right? Right, right. And so a raccoon um, is going to, you know, with his off foot that he's not using to reach, is going to very, very lightly brush the bottom. And I think it's because they have such powerful back legs that they don't feel the need to, you know, like if, if you were to get down on, on your hands and knees and, um, you know, most of the time, if you're reaching for something, you're going to have your other hand planted pretty firm on the ground. Yeah. And a raccoon doesn't need to do that because his center of gravity is different than a person or a coyote or a fox. And, so that offhand is really lightly gonna go down into that mud. Yeah, it's almost and, like it's almost like you're sitting Indian style instead right. of sitting on your hands and knees. Your your right. center of gravity's further back. And uh, that's I think that once you learn how far back the back legs on a raccoon are, can I say Indian that, style? Is that politically incorrect anymore? Um, I think it's fine. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, it, that's actually kind of funny. Yes, cross leg. Yeah. At school, they call it. My little boy come home from school, and he said they call it crisscross applesauce. So yeah, they 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 got to be super politically <laughs> correct now, because otherwise somebody will complain. People know what we're talking about, anyway. Yeah. Um. And uh, so, actually, that brings up kind. Of, you know, that's. It's kind of a good point. Um, in Bemidji, we have three uh, Native American reservations. Yeah, I around was surprised us. to see that. I, I I looked up your town. I was like, geez. Um, so so that's historically was was uh, a big Native area. And I what I was wondering is how that affects like land access and how you how you run your trap line where you can go. So we can't trap on the res. Um, also that might not be politically correct to call it the res, but, um, (laughs) so we can't trap on the reservation, but we can trap like there, I use Onyx and another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, so Onyx shows exactly where those reservations are and, I actually trap there. I don't think that there's a lot of people on the reservation that trap like predators. Okay. I, I know there's a lot that trap beavers and, you know, st- coons in town and stuff like that. But, um, 
predators, I don't know if it's like a, a cultural thing or what it is, but nobody traps the predators. So I actually, on my predator line, it goes around the reservations okay. very close. Yeah. And because you can, uh, so like, well, for instance, you got Cass Lake Reservation is south of Bemidji, about 10, 15 miles. And, you know, we're in northern Minnesota, so the prevailing wind is going to be a north wind. So I can set the outside of that reservation with canine traps, and that wind is always blowing into the reservation. Nice. So I'm pulling foxes and coyotes out of the res to my traps. And it's, I mean, a lot up here. No, if you walk up to a farmer and you say, Hey, I trap coyotes. He says, kill them all. (laughs) Easy place to get access then. Right. And, um, that's like, it amazes me. Like, honestly, it, it drives me crazy that there aren't more people doing this. Yeah. Especially because with the coyote prices. I mean, you, you probably right. have a halfway decent coyote there. It's not a North Dakota coyote, but. Right. So we have, I don't know. We, I, I don't like to call them, you know, like they don't have that wiry fur that yeah. a Southern coyote has. Even ours uh, up here in Maine have pretty coarse hair. Right? Yeah. So we have really fine haired coyotes. The only problem is like you get those North Dakota coyotes that are super light colored. Yeah. We don't get super light colored ones. We get like your stereotypical if you were if you were to go on Google right now and search a picture of a coyote, we get that. Yeah. But their fur is relatively soft and we don't get those wiry, coarse haired coyotes. They're all pretty much pretty soft and um pretty supple and uh so then you get you you know you'll get a few that are mangy or whatever up here but it's for the most part you know we in the winter it's a pretty desolate place Mm -hmm. you know it's it's a challenging place to live because it gets super cold and since we're so close to the Dakotas, Bemidji gets a lot of wind. Okay. So you don't have, I mean, we're, we have a lot of trees, so there's a lot of blocking, but the coyotes, if it's cold and there's a little bit of wind, a coyote is going to den up and it's not going to come out until that sun is shining and it's a little warm. And, um, it, I mean, we're talking, that's when, when I'm, when I say that I'm talking about negative 15 to negative 20 degrees Yeah, where it's really cold because if you get, you know, negative five to 10 degrees, 10 above those coyotes are going to be moving like crazy. Yeah. And, but then you get where it's too cold and they won't move at night. You might get a little daytime movement when the sun's out, but, and we call them day walkers here and um like i in the winter like dead of winter i coyote hunt so i'll i'll call them in and i'll hunt them and um we hunt them during the day up here 
Really? And that's that's not something that a lot of people can do. I think that it's like a temperature thing. Um, is if it's really cold, like if we get a day where it's cold enough to you walk out to start the truck and your nose hairs are frozen and you know you you go to turn over the truck and it does that and then fires up um those are the best days to coyote hunt solely because those are the days that a coyote when the sun comes up is going to be on the move because if he doesn't he's gonna freeze to death yeah and uh so it's kind of cool um like you look, uh, I, I write down everything during trap season, trapping season. I have a five uh, subject notebook that by the end of trapping season or by the end of this May will be completely full. That is a great tip for people uh, getting yeah. started trapping. You learn so much by keeping notes. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to discipline yourself to do it, but if you do it, you're not going to regret it. No, and every catch that you make, if you don't learn something from that catch or every miss that you have, if you're not learning from that, you're missing, you're missing the boat. Yeah. I mean, hands down. And, uh, I think that like I, when I first started, you know, we didn't write anything down and we caught, if we caught 15 coons in a season, we were jacked up. Yeah. I mean, we were so happy. Well, now, if I caught 15 coons in a season, I would sell all my dog proofs. And I, w- I would just go to canine trapping. If it got that bad, where I was not, like, not paying that much attention to my dog proofs, because that's all I'll run for coons now, is dog proofs. Okay. Like, my, my pocket sets are a dog proof in the back of a pocket set where a raccoon is reaching around in there trying to find it and gets caught and i learned that from your podcast when you were talking to um ron jones yes yes i i was actually um i re-listened to that episode last night when i was i was delivering pizzas and i listened to your podcast (laughs) while i'm delivering a lot of guys should should re-listen to that and if you haven't listened to it uh, check that out because uh, I gotta re-listen to it. I've listened to it a couple times. It's actually split into three episodes, and there's just so much information that he packs into those three episodes. It's incredible. Well, I'll just say this: one of the pages in my notebook, I have it. I'm sitting in my truck, and I have it right in front of me. One of the pages in my notebook is from last night, driving around, listening to the first of the three episodes. <laughs> It is completely filled. I'm driving to deliver pizzas and I stop, like I'll stop at the delivery location and I'll write something down before I go up to the door. Yeah, before you forget it. Right. And I filled up an entire page front and back in information from what, 50 minutes? Yep, thereabouts, yeah. Um, And... That was, uh, I think, I'm looking at it right now, one is episode 72. I think they were like 72, 73, 74, or something like that. Yeah. And um, it's, I think that it's crazy, like, it's crazy to me listening to your podcast and all of the people that you have been able to talk to 
in over just you know from having your podcast is i mean you have to be there has to be information spilling out of your ears and i feel like we haven't even scratched the surface there's, a, there's right. so many people i want to talk to and it's like i mean there's, there's i mean lot. right and um i mean you've gotten to talk to stan zaray yeah that was pretty awesome oh my goodness <laughs> i listened to that and i was just like this lucky i was kind of nervous talking with stan that was funny but it turned out it was just like talking to you you know yeah, I mean, he sounds like such a down-to-earth guy. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I wish that my, my girlfriend's sitting inside in the apartment while I'm sitting out in the truck. And uh, she came out, and she was sitting with me for a little bit. And she was just sitting there laughing because <laughs> she she uh, she knows better than anyone that when I start talking about trapping, you might as if 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 anybody had a hearing aid, and I start talking about trapping, they're gonna turn it off. Well, we're an, I, we're an hour fifteen minutes in, and I haven't. I've, I've got a whole list of topics we haven't even touched. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, yeah, but you know, it's it's crazy because I feel like when when I emailed you and we started, we talked a little bit. Um, I got nervous. Like I talk about trapping all the time. Like any, I mean, if I can subtly say something about trapping in a conversation i will and i i've been listening to your podcast for a year now and um i you emailed me back and i was like oh my gosh i'm actually gonna get to talk to him about trapping like this is a big thing and she i was telling her about it when i got home i got home from work at 3 30 last night and let me tell you Waking up my girlfriend to tell her that I'm going to be on a podcast is she was not very happy with me. <laughs> but this morning when I or when she woke up and I was going to the uh, storage unit to start on my fur, um, she and I were talking about um, what I was going to, you know, what you and I were going to talk about. And she was like, you're nervous, aren't you? I was like, yeah, I am. Uh, this is the first time that I've like been able to s- just sit down and talk to somebody about trapping that knows what I'm talking about. You know, like I could, her, her grandparents are awesome. And her grandpa, like her, me and her grandpa sit and talk about hunting and trapping all the time, but he has no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's a whole with, different with trapping. Right. Mm. And, but now like, I mean, I could sit and I could talk to you about, the differences between an MB 550 and a uh, Bridger number three dogless. Yep. And you would know exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, and we all live in small towns and right. there aren't very many other people trapping, especially nowadays. And so it's like, this is the only place that you can, you know, podcast or, or, you know, online message boards and stuff. It, it's like, you know, that's our community because that we're, we're so spread out and, and, uh, we're, we're such a minority nowadays, but it's pretty cool. It's yeah. It's like, it's like we've almost been talking for 10 years instead of an hour and a half. Right. And that's, you know, I think that that's the, the wonderful thing about the whole podcast thing is you 
like listening, you know, I, I deliver pizzas between five and or pray four to six days a week. And I will, I, I mean, I, most nights I start at five o'clock and I don't get off until three or three thirty. And full time job. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, um, so I am working full time. Well, in that 10 or 10 and a half hours, I'm on the road for nine, you know, I'm delivering pizzas for nine hours and the other hour and a half is, you know, at the end of the shift, we're cleaning stuff and getting ready to go. I am listening to podcasts the entire time and I switch back and forth between trapping today and the coyote trapping school. And, um, I have my little, like, if, if I'm like, uh, you know, I don't really feel like listening to a new episode. I have a playlist on Spotify of just your and Chris Pope's, uh, like my top favorites. Nice. <laughs> and, and, and I'll just sit there and I'll just listen to them. And, um, that, uh, the Ron Jones, right. That's his. Yep. Ron Jones. Okay. Yeah. Yep. His three are like the top of my list. Yeah. Like they're, they are my favorites. And, um, he's he's just he has so much knowledge and if you could sit and pick that guy's brain for an hour i mean the amount of information that you would find is incredible and well it'll take a lot more than an hour because he takes you down this road and he starts getting into things and it's like, it just opens up a whole nother set of topics to talk about. Right. And, um, that's to me, it's like every single, I don't care if you've been trapping for a month or if you've been trapping for 40 years, there is something that you can teach someone. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed talking with Nathan. It was great. And we covered a lot of topics. Uh, we're going to get into more in the future. Uh, but now it's time for our Cots Bros product of the week. Um, don't forget last week's promotion, uh, TS85 times 2. That was an opportunity to get a big discount on TS85 beaver traps. And that is still valid until May 20th. So uh, so check that out. You got till, uh, till the middle of the week if you're listening to this before the 20th. Um, Go ahead and go to Cots Bros, and, and when you sign into your account or create an account, it's really simple. Um, you can buy those TS-85s and, and get the discount. Uh, but this week, we got another discount. Uh, this special product of the week is Glands, a trapper's commodity. That's a DVD put together by Cots Bros. And uh, this is, uh, it, it's really important for guys that don't have experience with removing glands and understanding markets for glands because there's a lot of value that you're missing out on if you're not saving glands from the animals that you catch. Uh, glands, a trapper's commodity DVD, answers some of these questions, essentially all these questions. What glands do you save on a coyote? On a mink? How about a muskrat? This DVD will answer all those questions and more. Any trapper can increase their trapline revenue by saving animal glands. 
This DVD covers which glands to save and their location on the animal. It includes storage, marketing, and shipping information, and it's a surefire way to put more money in your pocket each day on the trap line. It's a 40-minute video. Normal retail price on the Cots Bros website is $14.95, and Kyle is offering 50% off of this DVD. So basically, you're getting it for $7.50 approximately. Um, and uh, DVDs ship really cheap as well. So uh, until from now until May 30th, you have the opportunity by entering the promo code GLANDS at checkout. That's G-L-A-N-D-S, all caps. Um, check that out, GLANDS, a trapper's commodity. I'll provide a link to that in the uh, in the podcast uh, show notes. So, uh, so be sure to go to cotsbros.com, uh, pick up the GLANDS DVD. This is a great opportunity to get it really cheap and to uh, inform yourself uh, so that next trapping season you can you can be saving those glands and even if you just have a few uh, if once you learn and you practice you know I, I started doing it on coyotes this past fall and uh, w- once you practice a little bit you figure out where they are it goes really quick and easy and it's like why not grab the glands even if you only have a few animals uh, I save them and make my own lure with them so it's uh, it's it's really a shame to be throwing glands away. So check that out, glands, a trapper's commodity. Use the promo code glands at checkout at cotsbros.com. That concludes tonight's show. I appreciate you listening in. And until next time, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. Let's get ready for next trapping season. Um, it'll be here before you know it.